0: welcome back to another episode of the spirit of haggard i'm your host jody lynch findley speaker facilitator and podcaster and you can find me at JodySpeakslife.com. We are thrilled and excited for today's episode. It is a little different than our previous episodes. So again, I encourage you, if you haven't, listeners, go back and listen to our previous episodes. But today, it's all about momming as an equine veterinarian. So we've got quite a fun group gathered here at Haggard today, and we are going to talk all things motherhood, and equine veterinary medicine. So, let me introduce our guests today. We have Dr. Rhonda Rathgeber. We're excited! Yay! <laughs> uh, Dr. Jackie Snyder. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking. Yes, and Dr. Jacqueline Pasco. Welcome. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, we want to jump right in. Now, in previous episodes, we talk a lot about the story, right? Like your journey to becoming an equine veterinarian, the journey to getting to Haggard, and what you've done since you've been here. We're going to cover that this morning, but I want to go ahead and do that and then be able to really talk about each of you as moms, because that is really our objective today. So, I'm gonna jump over to you, Dr. Snyder. Certainly, you know I stalk you on social media, so I want to be one of your kids. Really, like (laughs) I think it just this looks fun. I want to be one of your kids. But you grew up in Nebraska, right? So kind of a farm kid. You're self-proclaimed cow kid, cow calf operation. (laughs) Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about you. So I grew up on a,
1: in a small town called Hershey, not to be confused with the candy, and uh, graduated in a class of less than 50 people, and actually went through a school that it was me and one other girl in our class until a boy showed up in sixth grade. So wow. very rural community, and my parents had a cow-calf operation, and my dad also managed a feedlot growing up. So my brother and I were consistently um, just out helping our parents on the farm and day-to-day and didn't know a whole lot else in fairness, but farm life and just very Midwestern, culture and learned at a young age. I kind of really thought the vet idea was a fun idea as most people do. And my parents were like, look, if you want to be a vet, you need to go and, you know, spend some time at the vet clinic. So I went and worked with a practitioner in town, Dr. Craig Detlefson. and he was really instrumental in, to me, becoming attracted to veterinary medicine. But he also looked at me hard one day and was like, look, he does a lot of the equine work in the area. And he's like, you got to figure out if you really like these horses or not. And I just wasn't comfortable around them. I did not grow up around them. I was very comfortable on the end of a show stick showing steers and all of that. But I ended up coming out to Kentucky through the Kentucky Equine Management Internship and worked at Millridge Farm. And it was just a absolute, you know, invaluable, uh, just overly valuable, I guess, experience in terms of being able to not only be in this area and work on these farms, but it also was kind of the link that got me to ride along with several haggard veterinarians, including Dr. Rath Gaber, and just see that like maybe this was actually what I wanted to do. I was so impressed with not only the farms, but also the science and the level of medicine that they got to practice on mm-hmm. these horses because of their value. And it was just, it was amazing to me. So as I went back and pursued that school, I came back and worked in the summers out here and stuff. And so when I graduated, it really became coming to Haggard was the goal for me. Okay,
0: so, the goal. Yeah. You mentioned the Kentucky Equine Management Program. And so, Dr. Pasco, you also participated in that as well,
2: right? I did, yeah. So right. my story is a little bit similar to Dr. Snyder's. Um, I'm originally from Michigan and kind of just grew up like showing horses, very low level, very local um, type eventing. Um, and I did not get into vet school my first round, and I knew I wanted to work with horses. So I was like, I'm going where the horses are. And so I also did the Kentucky Equine Management Internship Program, and I worked on Judmont Farm. Um, during that time, got to know Dr. Rathgaber as well, and then um, applied to be a field assistant um, here at Haggard. And I got to ride with Dr. Feaster for a season, got into vet school, and then um, kind of like Dr. Snyder, I, I knew I wanted to come back. Okay. It's a common theme, right? Everybody that
0: gets here, you know, and it's, I, I love that passion. And Dr. Snyder, you mentioned the standard of excellence, right? this The science and, you know, just um, how luring it is to get to central Kentucky and get to Haggard and, you know, really become immersed in, you know, what the opportunities that are here. So Dr. Rathgeber, over to you. So tell it's us a little
3: so bit about cool for me your journey. To listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's fun for me to listen to the two of them because um, obviously I'm older than the two of them, and I remember when Jackie came and rode with me. I think my kids were very small, and she had to squeeze in behind some child seats in the back seat with the ballerinas on the <laughs> on the laptop
1: screen saver and and yes. the and the pink Motorola flip phone. Yes, those are very <laughs> yes. evident. Yes. First,
3: Rhonda. Uh, uh, things that are (laughs) incredible.
1: That was
3: great. (laughs) And then Jacqueline obviously worked at Jedmont. So my husband started the Kimi program years ago and um, it's been a great asset. And to have two Kimi grads through that program at Haggard's is awesome. Um, So I have been here 29 years. I came um, to do an externship at um, a farm and a couple and UK and a couple of practices here in town and came to Haggard's and was immediately just treated like a member of the family. Doug Byers was here at the time and Bob Hunt, and they were the two that um, convinced me to come back. And so I was going to come back for a year and 29 years ago, a husband and two kids. Here, (laughs) (laughs) Here you are. So I love
0: that these three amazing women, amazing veterinarians, amazing moms. I told them, so I am out of my league today with this audience as far as the topic, because I may be kind of a cool dog mom, but we are really here to talk about these young humans that you are raising (laughs) up and um, how, you know, like your family life interacts with your career life. Dr. Snyder, you are a two veterinarian parent unit and so I think that's unique as well. So let's talk a little bit about your families and kind of what stage you are. I'd like to know how long you've been practicing for our listeners, and then let's talk about how many children you have and how old they are. So we'll we'll start there. So I
1: graduated in 2012, and my husband was actually out of the same graduating class, and we were actually intermates here at Haggard, and um, diverged after that, but ended up both practicing in Central Kentucky, and so the dual parent veterinary medicine household is pretty intense, especially since my husband (laughs) decided to kind of throw a ringer in things and go back and do a residency. And then our boys are five and three, and they are just wild and crazy little men at this point. So it's pretty pretty crazy at our house. It's a lot of we kind of have a like a joking phrase, but we kind of live by it. That is teamwork makes the dream work. So sometimes it is just literally the night before. Oh, and I sitting there and saying, this is what I have tomorrow. This is what I have tomorrow. This is where the kids need to be. This is what we have to get accomplished. What is the least, what what helps us both get the most out of tomorrow in terms of serving our clients or, you know, doing right by ourselves in terms of things that we need to do to refill our cups, as well as him, you know, just studying and writing papers and all that the residency entails. So it just, um, for me, I have an amazing partner in life. And so our family is just so critical to me as a practitioner because it helps it helps me fulfill both of those things. Like I wouldn't be a successful mom without a successful partner. And um it's so awesome to have these two boys. Like I just it was fun. I didn't honestly know when I was younger if I would want to be a mom. And as I got older, I guess some of those hormones started to kick in and stuff, and I decided we really wanted kids, but it's been I mean, they're wild and crazy and some days are just super stressful and I'm not going to say it's all sunshine and rainbows, but it is, um, it's fun. So it's, but it is, it's a lot of just divide and conquer, divide and conquer every day to get it all, uh, all established. And we definitely have to establish like what is critical needs to be done tomorrow versus what is a goal like we need to get done within the end of this week or the end of this month. And just, so for us, it's just a lot of communication, goal setting, and just, you know, trying to tackle big projects or critical projects first and, um, probably the toughest thing about being a parent in this age group is the sickness. So Ah. the little ones are priming their immune systems is what my, our pediatricians inform me. And they promise (laughs) me it will get better, but it's like, you have your day perfectly planned out. And I am a bit of a planner. And I mean, we all deal with the adversity in this job. So yes, I can handle it, but I really like to have a, have a map way. And uh, when you get the, you know, Either child coming to your room in the middle of the night that's puked all over their bed or the phone call from school, it can definitely change things. But it just is sorting out what's best for our family and trying to make it work in the day.
0: I love that. I love that. So, yes, you have a very active household household. At this point, if in you want ages. peace and
1: quiet, I would not recommend our <laughs> house. We have a lot of tractors, a lot of jumping and running. And uh, we yeah. like we established rules in our house, like there's no screaming on the main floor of the house. You have to go up to your room or down to the basement if you <laughs> want to scream. We're not going to actually eliminate screaming or pretend like we're going to ever be able to make that happen. We're just going to try to control what areas. Control I'm the in. chaos, right? Yes. Control uh, the
0: chaos. Yes, control chaos is very good description of our house. I love it. I love it. Okay. Dr. Pasco, this is, this looks a little different for you. Um, so yes, you, yes. How are you doing this? How's it
2: working? So I'm a little newer to motherhood. Yes. Um, my son is six months old and, um, this is our, me and my husband's first child. So we are in the stages of, learning how to make this work. Um he, My husband is not a veterinarian, but he does have a pretty busy full-time job. So we're, you know, figuring out how to balance two busy working professionals and a baby that, you know, requires a lot of attention. <laughs> we're also going through um a phase right now of not sleeping. And so trying to tackle that yeah. and figure out how we're um, – you know how, how we're both going to be able to give him what he needs as well as be functional in the mornings is kind of where we're you, at. You look very fresh. Oh. You do not look like you're not sleeping. <laughs> That's the coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, Dr. Pascoe, how long have you been here at Haggard?
2: Oh, yeah. So I've been here since 2015.
0: Okay. So you have kind of an established practice and then... Off into motherhood you went.
2: Yeah, so I've, I'm not as established as maybe Dr. Snyder or Dr. Rethgaper, but I've been here a little while, and right. um, it was a it it was good. It took a minute to kind of get things figured out. I've kind of been in that transition period of figuring out um, again how to balance everything that my baby needs, um, daycare needs, doctor appointments, um, and then also being able to provide service to my clients, Mm -hmm. um, and be available for the things I need to do professionally. I will say the one thing I think about being an equine vet that prepares you for motherhood is lack of sleep. You do kind of get used to being up in the middle of the night a little bit and maybe having to function in the morning. Now, you came off an emergency just this morning, right? Yes. So you've been up
0: most of the night? A good bit of the night. A good bit of the night, yes. (laughs) So let's talk about that, you know, the emergency calls for, you know, early
3: motherhood. I think it's challenging at first. And um, cause you know, the, the kids come to your bed as Jeff, Jackie was saying earlier in the middle of the night and it's not their fault and they're sick and they don't know what to do. But, um, and I never, I would never hold that against them. You know, I, I know some people get upset when they have to be up all night with their kids and that never bothered me. And maybe it is, um, as Dr. Pasco said, because you're used to staying up with, With foals or with whatever, but juggling who's gonna stay with the kids. So, my husband's a farm manager, so he also has nighttime emergencies. And my stress always was, what if I get called and he gets called? Like, who wins? Right. (laughs) And so, um, we ended up having a nanny that lived on the farm. Uh, They had a place for her on the farm, so she was on call. And yes, I had to pay her a little bit more, but it was worth that peace of mind to go to the emergencies. Um, I also cut back on a lot of emergencies. I also told people I'm not gonna be available certain times. And um back then, I know that setting boundaries is a big topic of discussion for the world now, mm-hmm. but back then, um nobody nobody did that. Not right. here. And I you but when you come back, um when you come back after a maternity like where where Jacqueline is right now, it's you can never you can never do it like you did it before. You can never Mm. be that you just never have that much time anymore. Now your time has to be divided. And that was a big struggle for me. It was a big struggle for me to get home and try and turn work off and switch gears. Yeah. Um, even after an emergency, you come home and you want to either look something up or call someone and you, you, you can't always do that because you've got this, this child that needs your care and needs your 110%, you know, attention. Right. It, that was a hard, um, that was always hard for me to shift the gears whether it was just a busy day at work or whether it was a busy um, emergency or I don't know. I I struggled with that. I had to consciously say, I can look at this tomorrow or turn the case over to someone that could, that had the time to look at it. It was hard.
0: Uh, That's powerful. And I think, you know, that is exactly what our listeners are asking for. They're going into this saying, can I be a wife? Can I be a mom? Can I survive this career? We all know all too well that the current retention rate for Equine Veterinary Medicine is 5 years. You know, so we have we are investing all of this time, all of our resources into becoming veterinarians and then 5 years in they're making different choices. It's possible and you know, teamwork makes the dream work as you said Dr. Snyder and that it's not always just the partner but it is the team here at Haggard, right? And the circle that you have contributing to you being able to do it. Let's pause for just a minute to hear from our friends at Bymeta, our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor.
4: Bymeta might just be the largest animal health company you have never heard of until now. Bymeta Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s where our Irish roots began. Vimita is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on Polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence X 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress, to name a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, Please visit buymetaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them.
0: I will ask you, you know, on some of those same points, emergency work and balancing that push and pull and setting boundaries. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think like Rhonda, you know, when you become a mother, it's a really good chance you kind of evaluate, you know, where you're at in life and what it is. And it was, a good spot for me kind of in my career too, is I was becoming more established of like, what are my boundaries and what is, and, you know, I care a lot about my clientele and honestly want to provide a great service to them. I always want their horses to be cared for. It doesn't always have to be me, but the wh- farm managers and farms in this area in general do really get, um, I don't say they always have to have the same bet, but there needs to be some continuity and care. And I think for the animals to have the best care, there needs to be some continuity and care. So those were definitely challenges for me as I came back to try to decide. My husband, um, we don't have the night-to-night struggle because it was just if I got called out, he was up, um, which sometimes just meant he was grumpy. But we all survived. <laughs> um, but for us, he would actually leave town and so, like go do rotations or go out for his job and be gone for sometimes a week at a time. And uh, much like Rhonda, we would just hire somebody to stay the night because I felt like it was still critical to me at that point, to be able to go to emergencies. I will say that, that that was my decision though. I think that in a practice this size, I could have easily have handed those emergencies over and found other doctors to go to those farms in the middle of the night. But honestly, at 2 AM, sometimes it's not, I, I for me, I didn't feel like it was the best move for my clients. They would have accepted it. I don't think like anybody would have, I don't want to come off of it as like, it's the only way that you can do things. It was what made me the happiest. I also liked the type of cases you see on emergency, although I don't always like the hours. Like I really do like the neonates. I sometimes really do like the intense medicine cases that call you out in the middle of the night. So I think it's the, there are challenges there for moms that I have, like mom friends I have that are in other professions too, though, you know, they still have the kids in the middle of the night. It's just, it's the phase of life they're in. And that's the rough part about the phase of life. Like my kids are in now, but they're also in such an overwhelmingly fun stage of like everything is new in life, learning how to do things. And so just sometimes have to sit back and take a deep breath and say, you know, like it's doable, like tough days will pass, you know, and you can do this, you know, it's not impossible. So yeah, the, obviously you have to find care for them all the time. So it does, it does require probably for us, we don't have a lot of family. We don't have any family close by that's readily available to be back up on call or take those, you know, help us out in the middle of the night or anything like that. So it's always been, outside people. And so you could look at that and be like, Oh, I don't have family close by this. is so hard, but it's honestly been great because we have met some amazing young people that have really stepped up and become a great part of our family. And honestly provided my kids with different insights to different situations that I just don't think as their mother, I could per se provide to them. And it's worked, you know, has it always been, you know, perfect, probably not, but that's just part of life. So it's, it's been good for us. It's so yeah, the emergency thing is complicated. The nights are sometimes short, but I think the moms of any young kids would say the nights are sometimes
0: short. Yes. No <laughs> Except for those profession. random
1: people that have kids that sleep at like two weeks old and like, <laughs> please don't even comment. I don't, we don't want to hear about it. I
0: don't. Right. We don't want to hear
1: about it. Even your when my kids are older, I, I still am bitter about the lack of sleep. So... <laughs>
4: Right.
3: I think it's important that it's different for everybody. Like it's yes. different how everybody wants to manage it. There's t- a hundred different ways you could do it. You just have to figure out what's right for you. Like what worked for me may not work for the two of them, and vice versa. Right. I mean, when I was doing it, there was nobody. Nobody else was doing it. So, it yes, the difference is I hadn't seen too many people have children and work in a big practice. So from that point of view, I like. I remember when I got pregnant, I was like, "Am I going to be able to to keep the?" you know keep up or do this and and to um and to my delight the practice was great they were there there were no there was there was no standards so i just kind of set the pace myself right. and said this is what i want to do and they're like go for it yeah so it worked but it's, it's definitely very different for different different people yeah
0: that is i think that's really important right is that you had to set that precedent, if you will, and say, I want to keep working and I want to be a mom. And so how am I going to make that work? Yeah. Right. So how about, you know, like going back to when you are pregnant, there are still women that we talk to in the industry. that are just like, well, I'm at a practice where there's not a maternity leave policy and I'm afraid to pursue this in my life. So I think that's really important to you know kind of put out there. So that's most recent for you, Dr. Pasco, is kind of, of going through that process and working through pregnancy. So walk us through that.
2: Yeah. So I will say um, those feelings still exist. I mean, yeah. I was nervous to tell clients that I was pregnant. And to be fair, they were all very good and supportive and happy for me. But it was, I was nervous. Yeah. I didn't know what people's reaction would be would they still want me to be their vet? Would they be annoyed because I would potentially have less availability now? Um, and again, they were great, but it I was scared to have to have those conversations. Yeah. Um, and I will say one comment is I'm lucky to have veterinarians who have done this before me. So I definitely pull on those experiences to help, you know, guide me. And, and it's kind of like when you're, first learning vet med and you see different ways to do things. You're like, Oh, I like this way. This person does something like this way. This person does something. Motherhood for me has been at least in this early stages, similar because it's like, Oh, this worked for Dr. Rathgaber. This worked for Dr. Snyder. This worked for whoever I can pull bits and pieces to help me navigate this new, this new area of life. But, um, sorry, tangent, but getting back to the pregnancy (laughs) part, um, it it was, it was a little nerve wracking. You know, we have a relatively dangerous job. Um, I'm lucky that my clients are very good, skilled horsemen. I feel yes. very safe on these farms, but they're horses, things happen. So I did try to take precautions to keep myself safe. Um, but, you know, it you're still, you're still a large animal practitioner at the end of the day, but yeah. I worked almost until the end and, Going in to my pregnancy, my my goal was just kind of play it by ear. Right. If I feel good, I'll keep working. If I don't, then I'll, you know, step back as needed. And I'm lucky to be in a big practice that I had a lot of support um, for my clients for things that either I wasn't comfortable doing or when I was unable to do things. Right.
0: Now, Dr. Snyder, you have two. Were there differences, you know, first child, second child? How did that process I had an immense
1: amount of morning sickness, which was actually all day sickness with my first, which was challenging being on the road all day. Um, I didn't have near as much of that with the second, but both of my pregnancies overall went pretty smoothly. And I don't say this is like a needing a hero's badge, but I just I had a re- relatively smooth, uncomplicated pregnancies. And my personal demeanor is I like to be busy, especially when I was pregnant. Um, I just felt the urge to keep going. So I actually worked I worked the morning. I went to the hospital with my first one and my second was um, scheduled for early in the morning. So I worked up until, you know, the afternoon, the day before and stuff. My pregnancies and work, I remember like Dr. Pascal mentioned, you know, I was, there was definitely things that you just, you you know, if there was a horse that was really fractious or something. And honestly, I I was probably really blessed that my farms just didn't put me in that position. They would just be like, you're not going to do this. Cause I was kind of always like, oh, I can still do everything (laughs) and wanting to jump in and kind of just you know, like pretend almost like I wasn't pregnant. And they would just sometimes be like, we're going to have so-and-so look at that. Be like, (laughs) you're you're pregnant. You don't need to be doing this right now. And I was like, okay, you know, and and not, and in fairness, not like rudely to me or anything either, you know, but I was fortunate to be able to, I, there was things I didn't radiograph near as much, obviously, and took some extra precautions with different badges and stuff when I did. But it, uh, overall, my practice probably didn't change a lot. But I was very thankful not to be as sick as the second one. So.
0: <laughs> a little less sickness as you're pulling in and out of farms. Ob
1: slaves have multiple uses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good to have tools on the truck. Yes, good to have yes. Tools no, it's good truck. to have them at your disposal when you need them. So <laughs> awesome. Let's take a quick break to recognize our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor, Biomita.
4: Biomita might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Biomita's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when our Irish roots began. Biomita is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on Polyglycan. A patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid in Confidence X Pheromone Gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit BuyMediaUS.com to see where to buy.
0: You mentioned a little bit about kind of the day-to-day schedule, um, but you also made a point about not having family. So I want to come back to that. You know, for you, Dr. Pasco, Dr. Rathgeber, as far as you know, the team around you. Do you have family close by? And what are your expectations now as we, you know, move forward for for you, daycare, coverage, things like that?
2: So um, like Dr. Snyder, I am not from this area. Yeah. So I don't really have family down here. My sister does currently live here, but she's also a very busy um, professional working woman. So um, she does help babysit, you know, sometimes at night, but, but she's also got her own um, busy schedule. So... Uh, What my husband and I have done is we have found, and we'll see how it goes, but (laughs) uh, we've found a group of people who um, are going to help us, especially um, during the breeding season um, when my schedule is a little bit more limited to um, help with daycare drop-off, daycare pickup, um, things like that. We have found some... um, people in the area who can help us do that. And actually one of them is actually one of my old assistants who used to help me here at Haggard. So that's been kind of fun. She's available to um, help babysit my son um, between when daycare closes and between either my husband and I will get home. So
0: we'll see. So you're getting those organizations and structures made and you'll have kind of a team to be able to call on.
2: Yeah, that's the goal. And, um, as far as like night calls and stuff go, um you know, my husband's job does not extend into nighttime hours, so that yeah. does help us a little bit there right okay daddy on duty daddy on duty at yeah. night, Daddy on duty <laughs> at night,
0: right Dr Raskaber talk a little bit about kind of what you, you have a
3: had a nanny right at the farm had a nanny when the girls were young, she lived on the farm, she was sent from above, she was wonderful, honestly the girls she still keeps in touch with the girls and she um You know, when I was looking for someone, there was all kinds of people with degrees in child development and all kinds of accolades. And she um, was a very sweet young lady from um, from Kentucky. And she just loved kids and wanted to work on a horse farm with kids because she loved horses. And she was um, she was godsend. She was great. She would help me run errands. She would help me. She was my right hand. So she was there till the kids went to kindergarten. And then it was kind of a a mix and match of who got, who where, and you know, the driving and that kind of stuff. It's hard to let that stuff go. Like you have kids to be a mom and you don't want to farm all that out to other people. And for me, initially I was really afraid to ask for help. Mm. I have always had a full-time tech even before I was pregnant, but um, not everyone here has a full-time tech. But after I had the kids, I was like my, my tech, you know, does, gets, you know, helps me keep the truck working, gets the oil changed, you know, keeps the truck clean, does more than just the vet tech stuff. And that would give me more time with the kids. I mean, she will do, if I was giving talks, I would have them do um, research for my talks and anything, you know, anything to help. And you have to have someone that's on the team and willing to do all that extra stuff. But it made my life so much easier when I got the right person to do that so yeah it takes a village asking for help asking for help it's hard but do it you have to be able to delegate it's something that I never did until I had kids I never knew how to do it I was always the person that said no matter what the cost to me I'll get it done and you can't do that when you're mom you just can't <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> I think there are a lot of us that way. It and is, he, it's, yeah. it's women's nature. Yes, it, it is. And uh, I'm sure there's some men like that too, but in general, it's our nature to be the one that does everything. Everything, And uh, yeah, I just couldn't. <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm proud that my kids got to see, go grow up and see mm. me doing what I love. Yeah.
0: And that's impactful,
3: right? It is to them for sure.
0: Yes asking for help?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you've grown up being like independent. I got to get this done and very goal driven as most of us in veterinary medicine are. So we're really fortunate that our kids are in school and it's actually like less than two miles up the road from our house and they have incredible hours. We can drop off as early as 7.30 and pick up as late as 5.30. So my husband and I for the most part can get it done. And we definitely divide and conquer during the breeding season, foaling season. Um, it's, I mean, he's doing most of the drop off, um, pick up. Sometimes when he's stuck in surgery, I'll actually pick up kids and they'll go on the last couple calls of the day with me. I have some smaller clients that are actually out kind of past their school. And so, um, I'm thankful for the incredible clients that spend 20 minutes finding four leaf clovers to shower my children <laughs> with when I get there to check their mirrors, um, with my two wild little men. But, um, and we have some incredible neighbors and stuff that we've, you know, had to depend on in time at times and be like, hey, you know, we have this gap or that gap. We've also been really fortunate that at our the little school that they go to, they have several teaching assistants, and okay. I have tried quickly to befriend a few of them, kind <laughs> of get the insight scoop on who's who lives where. It's like one of them drives past our house every day on the way to work, and so she on occasion has stopped and picked up a kid and carried him on with, and stuff. And she's been really helpful on a few nights for sure, taking kids. Home at the end of the day, and just kind of getting them settled till my husband or I get there. But yeah, and to what Rhonda was saying about a tech, um, I actually did not have a technician at all until I had kids. And when I got that person, it's become instrumental for me. It's just that like work has to get done at work. So I used to like do my billing at night and, you know, do my controlled drug log and all of that. of
2: that. Switching and
1: so yeah. now it is like it is a to what you're saying, it's a team process. Like whoever my person is, I want them to be like hundred percent committed. Like we're on the team. We're going to work efficiently. We're going to spend our time like working on the animals and thinking about the cases, but we are going to be efficient and effective about our paperwork process. So like when we are between farms, when we are between barns, one of us is driving and the other one's working. And that for me flips back and forth. Like I'm happy to sit there in the car and work on some billing, check over some things, uh, you know, work on some emails, compose things, um, as we get through the day, because when I park that car in the garage at night, I actually want to be able to shut that off. And to what Dr. Rathke were saying, that's, that's hard. Like it's never an all or on switch, but I don't want to try to be doing anything vet related. Cause I just have, my kids go to bed pretty early. They're still pretty little. And so we have that, you know, window in there that we're eating dinner as a family together. We're having a little bit of playtime. We're reading books together and that's our time. And I yes. really want to be committed to that. And then the minute the kids are in bed, it is like mass chaos to like get lunches packed for the next day, research whatever cases you need, go over your schedule for the next day, make sure that you have everything down, drawn up, ready to go, all of that. But it's um, I do try to, when I'm a mother, be very present, which does require that time in the car be used very efficiently. And that's been a saving grace for me is to not feel home between
3: areas. Yeah, it certainly made me work smarter. Like I worked more efficiently. I had I trained my clients better. I was like, yeah, for sure. 10 minutes <laughs> I'm out of here if you're not. And that's like if you up.
1: if you're texting me at seven o'clock about a night about a non emergency, like if you just want to chat about something that's not right. going to get answered effect timely, because yeah. that's not that's not your time. Yeah. You know, like you can you have hours during the day. I'll talk to you later, but this evening is my kid time
3: and the the ones the the clients that I couldn't train I, I tried to transition to someone else because it, it just wasn't going to work they weren't respective of that I had to get and I have clients now my kids have been I haven't done carpool in I don't know six years five years and my I have clients now that are like are you at carpool <laughs> my kids are 20s so. <laughs> so um so it does it takes some it takes some getting to use but it getting uh, getting into the role of it but i have definitely got more efficient during the day so that like jackie said when you get home you don't have you're not thinking about oh i forgot to bill for this or oh i forgot to record this or oh i need to write this down or i need to look this up or i wanted to do that because that it just you can't do it your brain can't do all that yeah. so this the, like i said earlier the shifting gears to to turn work off and try and turn the mom back on to full hundred percent when you get home um was was a learning curve
0: yeah i think and you and i have discussed this we could do an entire podcast episode on you know the term that we both dislike strongly <laughs> work life balance and i am convinced that i would like to get to a point that i never speak that phrase well and i think it's important because we're talking too much about it and i think that you know so my belief is that when we say that we are creating conflict so our listeners want to, they you know, they may be in vet school, they're going to vet school, they're considering a career, and they keep hearing that term. And I think it creates this conflict of, well, I can only do this, or I can only do that, or I can't have this kind of a lifestyle, I can't be a mom and have this but it true these are careers that are a woven part of our lives each of the three of you wanted to be a mom and you want to be an equine veterinarian and you are successfully making that all work as your life and so i think that's just the important theme to share right for our listeners so that they are understanding that it all is is really a part of who you are it is putting the humanity back into our hustle. Sometimes as I say it, right? Like these are human lives. Sometimes they're going to be messy. It's not all, you know, perfect and, and idyllic and all those things, but you are accomplishing your life goals in many aspects, professionally and personally, and, and it, and it all, um, works together. I just think that's important, you know, that we are really sharing that with our listeners is that you all are making these decisions constantly on what it looks like, what good looks like, and that continues to evolve. I love, you know, the topic of being able to address those client relations and building your own practice, right? Who is your ideal client? And that as your life evolves. That does change, and you know what you ex- what you expect from, and it's your clients. okay for it
3: to change. Like yeah, I sure. always thought, I can't mm-hmm. say no. Again, I can't say no. I can't say no to that client. But there were clearly some clients that just they either for their schedule and my schedule couldn't join, couldn't mesh, and you have to say it's okay, yeah, like and let it go and not try and again. Like, so you can never do it like you did it before you had kids. Yeah, you can never be there a hundred percent. And I I it's not a bad thing. I used to think that was a bad thing. Yeah. That's it's not a bad thing. It's not what you do, it's who you are. But you are now also a mom and you have to do it a little differently. It is, it's it's a hard um it, it's conflicting. Yes. But it's very doable. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it for a, a, a zillion dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you would all three say the same thing, right?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say like and I'm a early into this, but I, I feel more fulfilled having a multifaceted life and not, I don't want to say just being an equine vet, but you know, that's a, being an equine vet's a huge part of who I am. And now being a mother is a huge part of who I am as yeah. well as wife and friend and sister and daughter and all these other things. But it's another dimension. And I think it makes life more interesting. Yeah. I would also
1: challenge that motherhood can make you a better vet. Uh, You know, I think that there's a lot of things that you learn about being a mom. Maybe it's some patience for me. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's a little bit of just seeing that person where they're at that's easily relatable. You know, my three-year-old's tantrum sometimes is not maybe that different than a very frustrated farm manager that's been up all night with a horse, you know, like, Maybe that anger just actually, like I I can be very guilty of taking things very personal and people's problems become, their problem becomes my problem. And while I want to serve them, it has helped me say much to my three-year-old that's having a complete meltdown in the middle of a store when I really just need to get out of here. That's on him. Like that doesn't, that's honestly not genuinely a reflection of me. He's tired. Maybe he has something going on. Like I need to help him through that. And to some extent the same when you have clients and they're frustrated and things like, You can listen to them. You can help them through it, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a direct reflection of you. It has made me more efficient as a person, but it's also just, I think sometimes um, there's just a lot of maturity that comes with motherhood that I think helps you sometimes going through cases and stuff just to step back and just really see the big outside picture. So I would say maybe it was just the age, maybe it was how long I'd been in practice when I had kids. could be multifactorial, but as I see nods from my colleagues here in the room, yeah. I think that there is a lot of that that comes and it you know it makes you it makes you a better person and it helps you see also your clients and what they're going through i'm more compassionate to my clients outside lives and what they have going out outside of you know my established relationship with them that's treating their horse, yeah. but also like you know do they have a sick spouse? do they have kids that are sick have they in So I guess just like maybe a little bit more compassion and caring and stuff too. And I think it's, it's made me a better whole bet in some, and I'm honestly, I was really surprised. Like Rhonda said, you know, you worry about training clients. And I mean, I have a client that doesn't have children, grew up on the track, gets up at like 4 a.m. in the morning. used to just love to text me about random things early in the morning. And I like to get up, but it's my me time. I don't honestly want to be bugged. And, um, like she is so welcoming to my kids, so understanding of the kids when they're around and also just like understanding of some of the boundaries I've set. It's been honestly, it's really helped me establish who I am at this stage of life. And that's going to change. And as, you know, Dr. Rathgaber alluded, as my kids get older, that will change. Their needs will change from, mm-hmm. you know, overnight to sports activities or extracurricular activities and that'll morph yeah. then as they leave the house and I'll be wondering what to do with all my time again, I'm sure. But I think we would underserve ourselves to say that you can't actually that we aren't growing and progressing by becoming parents too. And we've really focused this podcast on motherhood and obviously it's always a hot button topic, but we do have some male practitioners in this practice that are um, dual income households where their wives work. And they have also been known to have a spare kid in the car sometimes Mm -hmm. going on calls also been known to shift schedules and ask other people to take call so they can be there for their families. And I think is,
3: um, I think that's a great point because yeah. we had talked about doing a a dad. Um, I, I a was going to say but we yes. need to be equal opportunity yeah. here, and there's definitely some out of the knock it out of the park dads that we could have on here.
1: Yeah, oh, but it's just like it's it's doable and it's doable for all. Like motherhood is special, and we could probably all argue that maybe we work a little harder. I don't know. Sorry, about but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like the, being in this practice has been wonderful, and it, I think it's been you know, to what Rhonda said, everybody's like, yeah, you know, we'll get this done and away we go. And it's been great.
2: I was on call the other night and I had just picked up my son from daycare and um, got a call to go do something for another uh, veterinarian in the practice who is a vet dad. And when I was calling to update him about the case, you know, my son was in the background, you could hear him babbling. And he's like, oh, do you have, you know, your son with you? I was like, yeah. And he, we just talked about how, like, there's going to be a whole generation of vet kids growing up in the truck and, like, how I don't think that's always a bad thing. Yeah. You know, like, Dr. Rathgeber said, like, your kids get to see you doing what you want to do, pursuing your passions, working hard, like, you're, I, I hope will be <laughs> setting a good example for them, um, yes. you know, in that way. And... You know, what kid doesn't like to go to a farm? There's four-leaf clovers, and there's tractors, and there's bugs, and there's horses, right. and, you know. Yeah. And, and there's grapple
1: tractors, and there's bucket tractors, <laughs> and there's a the John Deere tractor, and there's a the Kubota tractor. You talk boys.
4: You're learning uh, all
1: about tractors. Yes. The, when we go through the racetrack here in town, Keeneland, and they have all their equipment lined up, both of my kids take pride in just naming off everything, and it sounds like a quiz show in the backseat <laughs> as we go through. Yeah. And to what Dr. Pascoe was saying, I had a moment this last fall where my now three-year-old, he was two at the time. He wasn't real sick, but like probably wasn't going to be able to go to school. And I was trying to debate if I should stay home with him that day, or if I should just pack him up and take him with me that day. And I just looked at him and I was like, Hey, you know, like, Bud, do you want to stay home today? Or do you th- do you think you can go? And he looks at me and he goes, Mom, they're sick horses. We have to go treat them.
4: (laughs) You know, just for him,
1: like the you know the whole age of two. But it's you know, it's not only him understanding like you know that's part of the job, but it's also understanding that serving others. You know, like I. And also, became, that it's we
3: and not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it, it, yeah. No, it's we, and it,
1: it, believe me, it is we, and all we do. In our house. <laughs> that's, so, awesome. that's awesome. We get things done despite the help in our house, yes. not because of the help in our house. But it's um, you know, it, it's fun to see at their age how how they get it. They really do. They get you know, my husband and have jobs, they get that we're helping the horses. They get that yes. we're making them feel better. It's also immensely helpful when we take them to the pediatrician and they're due for vaccines. And we're like, well, you saw those horses being really brave earlier today. Like it's now it's your turn to be brave. And you know, the big tears well up, but we get through it nonetheless without a lot of complications. But I think it's, um, it, there's, I grew up on a farm and so I grew up helping my parents every day. Like I, my mom was a, quote, quote, stay-at-home mom, a.k.a. she ran cow-calf pairs. She was responsible for feeding. She was responsible for vaccinating. She was responsible for timing when we would, you know, synchronize cows, when we would turn bulls out, when we would move cattle to pasture. And my dad ran a feedlot. My brother and I wanted to go up and help. And so we would be up there helping process cattle. I don't remember a day in my life not, in fairness, working, but it never seemed like work. Yeah. You know, it was just, you were getting up and you were doing you were, you were helping the family, you were working toward a greater cause. And so for me to be able to raise my children in a similar format where they wake up kind of excited to get to do things and see things and develop some of those skill sets. And I don't care if they become veterinarians or anything else. Like I just, you know, I want them to have successful careers, but that kind of, um, the work ethic and the, to some extent, them seeing you set boundaries is just so important. I think as we develop people, so I don't, yes. I don't regret it. And once I let myself, sometimes, kind of just say, like, deep breath, we're gonna get through this. And you know, you you can't. I, I don't really regret my choices. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, there's been days I was like, okay, this wasn't a great day to have you in the car with me. We're gonna have to detour and make a, <laughs> make a few, uh, a, a little bit, you know, reschedule. But it's been good. And so I think it is, yeah. you know, to what you're saying, I, I feel like we're going to have, I don't know, I feel like there'll be a, a group of young, mostly boys.
2: Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of boys are, in this they're, practice.
4: They're going to have
1: a lot of uh, <laughs> lot of great and interesting stories. They're also um, very, yeah, just life itself. Like what they, their knowledge yeah. and stuff of like sickness and death and stuff is just, it's incredible. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily stress them to the extent that it does that other kids because it just, they, they see it.
2: Right. Character building experiences, yeah. I like sure. to call it. Yeah. That's, that's my hope anyway. Maybe check in <laughs> in like 18 to 20 years. Yeah, we'll and see, see where we're at. at. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, we'll have part two of that. Yeah. So. Yes.
0: So as we wrap up, ladies, anything else that you would share with our listeners as we wrap up?
2: So um, specifically for anyone who's looking to start a family, um, especially in the as a veterinarian in whatever facet you are, you will never feel like it's a right time to start your family. So, uh, you know, for me, right, because I'm newer, trying to decide, okay, should we have kids now or now or now? Or there, You're never going to feel like there's a great time. So if you want to do it and it's something important to you, just do it. You know, like it. you're never going to feel ready. Your career may never feel as solid as you want it to. And yes. if it's something that you want in your life, then, you know, go for it. And you can make it work. There'll be hard days. So There'll be better days. Um, but you'll get through it. You've made it through, you know, 100% of the hard days that you've had so far. So you, you can do it. Great advice.
0: I love that. All right. Any, can you top that? Oh, I don't know. That's a pretty tough one,
1: Dr. Pasco. I think that's that's great advice. And I think, you know, as I, with the audience of vet students, I went into vet school at the time that we were in a recession and the equine industry was crumbling to some extent and a lot of people were leaving equine medicine specifically, because there just wasn't the workload. People weren't breeding as much. And we were just asking somebody and I said, just, you know, I don't know, is this stupid? Like, I, I mean, I grew up with this great cow-calf background and stuff. Should I go do food animal? Like I've always been comfortable around dogs and cats. And, you know, should I just go do small animal? Like, I think I still want to do vet med. And he just looked at me. He's like, if this is what you want to do, do it. There's yes. always good for somebody good. There is always room for somebody good. And I think that was just such good advice. Like if you want to be a mom and you want to be a doctor, like to what Dr. Pasco is saying, is it, is there ever a perfect time? I don't know. But if it's what you want to do, just go do it. You can be good at it and you can make it happen. It's, um, I think that first step out the door and getting going is the hardest part. And then you just, you make it happen. Don't sit there and dwell on it. Just, you know, don't let that procrastination kind of hit you, just make it happen.
0: Awesome. That's so important. I mean, again, listeners, we could, you know, these are the, the snippets, the advice that we just want to repeat because we want more of you to hear, do it, pursue it. It's worth it.
3: I guess my advice would be from the, from the 20 year, 25 year mark is uh, no, there's never the right time to do it. You just do it, um, but it doesn't last forever.
4: You know, like it,
3: in those phases, those like where Jacqueline is now, she's not getting any sleep. That's not going to last forever. Where you are now, that's not going to last forever. It's There's different phases of motherhood and they're all different and none of them last forever. So enjoy the good parts of it because the bad parts are going to be gone soon. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's a great journey. It's a great journey.
0: <laughs> well, again, listeners, thank you. We always like to wrap up by saying thank you, and also come visit. You can get to know uh, some of these fabulous veterinarians. And um, thank you to each of you, Dr. Rathgeber, Dr. Snyder, Dr. Pasco, for sharing the spirit of Haggard. We'll clear out a couple of car seats and line up some room <laughs> in the back so can <laughs> join in. So everyone can get in, and so we will finish up as always, by saying thank you and cheers to the Spirit of Haggard. Thanks for tuning in to the Spirit of Haggard podcast today, sponsored by Bymita. I'm your host, Jody Lynch-Findley, speaker and podcaster. You can connect with me at jodyspeakslife.com.